Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Another monster frigid storm front is moving through California, creating dangerous conditions in the Sierra Nevada. A blizzard warning remains in effect through early Wednesday for the greater Lake Tahoe area and Mono County. The National Weather Service in Reno has even called conditions potentially life-threatening. UCLA climate scientist Daniel Swain, who's been monitoring the winter storms, says it's going to be really hard for people to get around in the next few days. Travel is essentially impossible in the mountain passes right now with blizzard conditions on I-80 and I-50 and a lot of the eastern Sierra travel corridors as well. Just don't try it right now. You aren't going to get anywhere anyway. And there's more. The Sierra Avalanche Center in Truckee has issued avalanche warnings for the central Sierra Nevada from Ebbets Pass to Yuba Pass. Meanwhile, to the south in San Bernardino County, officials have declared a local state of emergency because of all the snowfall in the county's mountains. Hundreds of people in the Lake Arrowhead and Big Bear area are trapped in their homes, vacation rentals, and a popular local science camp. And there have been reports of the snowbound having to ration food as they wait for assistance. It's hoped an emergency declaration will help San Bernardino get state and federal help to assist in clearing roads. UCLA's Daniel Swain says California snowpack will be huge. While that's good news from a drought relief perspective, he says it could be worrisome for flood risks this spring. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast 2 at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 
Okay, we're going to focus now on incarceration. California spends more than $15 billion a year on its prison system. And a new report from the Legislative Analyst Office says we're continuing to pay for thousands of prison beds that aren't being used. The state has closed two prisons under Governor Gavin Newsom and plans to close two more. But this new research says that's not going far enough. Cal Matters Justice reporter Nigel Dora explains how we got here and the stakes involved when prisons shut down. So back in 2006, California prisons were so overcrowded, you had people sleeping in the hallways and sleeping in gyms. And eventually, federal court intervened and said, you could still have it slightly overcrowded, but not to the point where it is now. So California started cutting its inmate population. They moved some inmates into jails as part of realignment. And today we have a different problem, which is that there's a lot of beds that are empty that we're still paying for. So the question from the legislative analyst's office is, what do we do with all these empty beds and all this empty space? They say that we can start actually closing prisons. But the problem with that is, what happens to the towns that have become dependent on prison labor, the schools, everybody else that's built an economy and built a system off of that? So that's the question that the prison system and the governor is weighing right now. That's Cal Matters, Nigel Duara. The prison closures are a big change from a generation ago when California was in the midst of a prison construction boom. But with the recent decline in the state's prison population, advocates of criminal justice reform want to see more penal facilities shut down. One of them is Amber Rose Howard of the group Californians United for a Responsible Budget. I talked to Rose Howard about prison closures, starting with her reaction to the governor's actions. We are actually very excited about that. We think it's about time. You know, uh, California had a really crazy prison boom right between the 70s and the 90s, and we got up to 35 prisons. And so it's about time to shut some of these prisons down. So we're very excited that Governor Newsom is on board with that um, and is actually doing taking steps to make it happen. But you want to see even more closures, right? So how many more prisons could you see shutting down in the state? Absolutely. We think more should be done. We think the state... Uh, well, we know the state uh, has the opportunity to close at least 10 prisons by 2025. And so that's what we'd like to see. That's what we're calling on. And I know we could talk just about this for hours, but what's your best argument for prison closures generally? So number one, we don't need them. Um, and we don't need them for a few reasons. For one, because they're being emptied. So they're liter- literally physical uh, you know, um, spaces that the state is spending so much money on, billions of dollars on. Matter of fact, the budget this year is at $19 billion. Um, and so we're wasting money on these facilities that we don't need. And second of all, we just haven't seen any uh, public safety increases because of more prisons. More prisons does not equal more safety. And because we know that now, you know, after 60 years since the prison boom, um, those are, I think, two really strong arguments on why we need to be closing prisons. And as an advocate for wider criminal justice reform, can I assume you want to see more than just prisons shut down, right? You want to see a greater emphasis on rehabilitation and alternatives to people serving hard time. Do I have that right? Absolutely, because I think that the numbers are important for people to look at. I think it's it's helpful but also we've got to listen to the the personal stories and the experiences from people who are incarcerated and formerly incarcerated. I am a formerly incarcerated person. I was incarcerated at 18 years old for a serious violent felony, but I was not sent to prison. 
because of the trajectory of my life and what it looked like to a court, to a judge, because of the support from my community, it was like, okay, we're not going to put Amber Rose Howard in prison. We're going to let you can, you know, graduate high school. We're going to let you go to college. We're going to see what happens. Turns out I've never touched the justice system ever again. Um, and so I'd like to use my story sometimes as an example to say we don't need incarceration to get people on a track toward like care and toward healthy living. What we need is to provide folks with housing and food and health care, which is like mental health care, physical health care, emotional wellness. Those are the things that keep people safe away from crisis and like away from harm completely. Um, and so that's what we're looking at. And we know the state can do it because all we've got to do is shift those dollars. All right. We've been talking to Amber Rose Howard, Executive Director of Californians United for a Responsible Budget, or CURB. Thanks for joining us on the California Report. Thank you so much, Saul. I really appreciate being on. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, February 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Remember, you can subscribe to the California Report podcast. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also ask your smart device to play the California Report. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good morning. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.